uh, our, our activation stir up in order to to you know fulfill and enrich and be something rather nice and beautiful and lovely and worth it and all this kind of stuff or the things in it that try to get rid of the sense of loneliness or alienation or fear or these kinds of depression, these kinds of experiences and also the activities that try to just cloud over the whole thing and not notice it at all ignorance these three forms of activities are called Asava, Karmasava, Bhavasava, Vijasava Vijasava is the, is the outflow, the kind of outpouring of, of ignorance of seeing things wrongly by just continuing to see things wrongly, obsessively missing the point, even deliberately or more, more consciously ignoring, denying or just plain forgetfulness you know, not just kind of going out as it were and so this is kind of thing Bhavasava is that, that, that tenacious instinct to establish territory to be something um, you know, to, or to, to, to get out of something, to be away from something, to carve out territory in outer space or on planet earth mm-hmm. to, to, to be something and in Kamasava which is the, that instinct that seeks to accumulate pleasant um, sensory experiences and avoid unpleasant ones it's always activating like that so these are the, these activations are the sankara and these are, come from the, the not seeing yeah. or seeing things wrongly so of course um, you know we see with a sense Sense, sensed experience, sense, sensual experience, then this uh, play, pain and pleasure, uh, uh, those kind of systems are natural consequences of being sentient. But the wrong seeing of them is to, is to actually not, is to see, is to just focus on that alone, um, to see it, see it wrongly. So we tend to experience the, the, the triggers of pleasure and pain as ultimate commands that one so one can never actually relinquish something pleasant one can never bear anything unpleasant um, so this is when it's, the, it's, it's wrongly seen um, and the mind actually gets highly, highly sensitized to, to, to sense impressions so that we can become you know um, hurt by seeing unpleasant things you know, men- mentally particularly this is where it becomes where it comes so um, so unnecessary the kind of afflicted mental states that come from just uh, unpleasant mental impressions Bhavasava, this sense of that holding something that as if there's anything we could hold on to to be ourselves. And reading it wrongly that, that we even do hold on to anything. 
So Bhava is like a continual attempting to solidify, which never quite makes it, because you're never quite completely solid on anything. And yet the assumption is that you, you will be, or you would be. So, like if we take even a, the sense of being a body as some as kind of solid impression, some solid state, well, for a start, the fact that the body's actually continually changing, um, flowing and changing and going through different shapes and, and stages. But then, even to recognize more, more fully that the amount of times you're, you're even fully aware of every, of every part of your body is about zero percent. <laughs> so, one never actually becomes a body. You know. Yeah, so it isn't just that the body changes, but, but it's never even really there. It's kind of, you know, you, you, you keep getting flushes and flows and touches and elements of it, and perceptual takes on it, but it's like a, a ghostly thing that is, that is continually slipping away. So one retains the notion, the idea, right, well, yeah, yeah, my body, of course, it's right here. But when you look at directly what is what is sensed and experienced directly rather than just conceived of, yeah, what body? And um, the but perhaps even more um, tenaciously is is the sense of being some particular mind state. You know, we we kind of feel well. You know, not. That, that opinion I had, that inspiration I had, that happiness I had, that depression I had, that irritation I had. Oh, it changed, didn't it? At the time, it was really, you were really gripped in it. At the time, the, the fortunate state or the unfortunate state seemed so crystal clear and what one was. Or well, crystal dark, you know, whatever you like to say, it's a black one. Uh, and then, then it isn't anymore. But still, the underlying impression is well, something. Don't ask me exactly what, but something. And because I never, you know, one is often so preoccupied with the activities, the activations of feeling things, thinking things, contemplating things, figuring things out, repelling this, going towards that, that the actual sense of, well, Who's behind all this? Isn't really there's not a sustained focus on that because of the sankharas, the, the, the continually pulling attention out into you know the, these processes of perception, processes of feeling, thought processes, contact impressions. But even though we don't, you know, because of not focusing on that, there, there's still that doubt, that not knowing, that sense of unfulfillment, that sense of hunger, that sense of, sort of restlessly searching for the thing to be. <clears throat> and so, but as we... We look at all this, this is the source of dukkha because we continue to shift and change. 
and the logistics of becoming something don't quite work. So in a meditation retreat, it's not an even, well, we go there and every breath will pump you a little bit higher. Every, every in-breath, every out-breath will just kind of continue to jack you up a little bit higher, steadily towards <laughs> enlightenment, you know. It's kind of a one-way process, or which maybe you, if people who didn't do this would think that's what it was about. I remember uh, one monk saying that when he started practicing, he heard that all he had to do was be mindful of every breath. And it says in the Satipatthana, if you do this every day, you know, if every uh, no, no, if you're continually mindful for for seven days, then you're enlightened. So he, he thought he'd try and do this. Yeah. So then he was when they count count every breath. Because <laughs> it didn't work. Because there wasn't any mindfulness in the first place. You just you never established it. There was just a, a sense of greed, becoming, desire, wrong views. Um, and uh, yeah, so anybody who can count to one to ten it doesn't mean it's terribly worthless and not gone very deep. It's quite it hasn't really got into the heart yet. <laughs> when you get into it, you when you actually apply the mindfulness to 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 the process that you're living in instead of just sort of counting from one to ten as it were, then you recognise, hmm, this is not a sure thing. Some days, some hours, you know, for some reason or other, it seems it's all clicked in there, and wow, this is it, well, that's it then. And the next day, we skewed out again. I was getting there, wasn't I? Day one was bad, day two was bad, day three it started to come out, day four felt quite good, day five went down again. And day six went down, and, you know, why isn't it just an even thing? Because the process that we're in is is one of karma, karma vipaka, and the karma vipaka is like um, you know it, it, there's there's levels of it and there's waves of it. So as one um, karma vipaka means both the inherited results of actions, physical, verbal, mental, and the ongoing inclination towards actions. And actions, karma, human, it's always karma ripens in the realm of being, realms of becoming something. So all karma is associated with with some sort of, I am this. We, we act from a particular position. And we, we, the, the karma, the vipaka is stored up as, this is what I am. If maybe we don't think that, but we feel ourselves to be, you know, the, the, the net result of what, what has happened to us, our memories, um, you know, our, our habits, our psychological habits, and so on. Things that the imprint, the imprints of life, are what we feel ourselves to be. And as the mind um, begins to settle and clean, we re- refrain perhaps from uh, a lot of distractive activities, distracting activities. So the main theme of activity is just a calm and steady, calm and steady, calm and steady, calm and steady, so that you, there's a considerable limitation on, on um, distractive karma and distractive actions. It's just all about steadying up the mind. 
steadying up attention. Mm-hmm. Um, then this, in a way, allows some of the vipaka to, to 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 manifest the old habits to manifest within that. They're they're like imprinted on the on the kind of chrome, you know, the genetic code of the of the of the mind's attention. It's the, the thumbprint, if you like, of the mind is, is, is the vipaka. So there's blotchy attention. There's attention that wavers and is a bit tremulous. There's attention that's thrusting and forceful. There's attention that's kind of, you know, is, is very irregular. That is, it, it, it's very full on at some times and it goes off other times. Um, these kinds of things. Um, so these manifest on on the surface level as the, the various hindrances and and uh, kilesas or blemishes of of the mind. So quite a bit of a practice is about recognizing this is this is the way it is. It's like that. It's not an it's not a kind of an even practice in terms of what comes up. It's maybe an even practice in terms of one's intentions, you know, one's aim, but it's not going to be even in terms of what comes up, what kinds of stuff comes up. Um, and so that that with, when one has experience and understanding, then there's always this, this central concern of, of working with the hindrances, of the vipaka of hindrances, the restlessness of the mind, the way that attention flickers and, and jolts and worries and twitters, the dullness of the mind, where the attention just slumps down, doesn't want to get up, doesn't want to be bothered, the, the heat-seeking missiles of the mind, that which seeks um, sensual um, objects to, to bury itself into. Um, the iron curtain of the mind, that which when it is sort of soundness and ill will, like a kind of Stalinism of the mind, that <laughs> you know, all it knows is yet. <laughs> it doesn't want <laughs> this kind of grey, cold state ill will which is more than just malice it's a whole kind of sour cynical why bother state and uh, doubt which is 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 really that which holds us back from 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 entering into from, from giving ourselves and being complete so sometimes this is about Insecurity, um, feeling a certain sense of, well, I don't know if I can do this, it's the right thing for me. The mind havers and wavers. Well, perhaps, well, maybe tomorrow. I think I need complete commitment. Right, I'll do some complete commitment tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> but on the other hand, <laughs> this kind of thing, and it can it, or doubt about. Which part of the body, breath, feel? Which one should I be doing? You know, it's not certain exactly where to go, so the attention sort of havers and dithers. Or it can be down, uh, you know, something that's more like cynicism or skepticism, skepsis, such as, well, a lot of old rubbish you ask me, you know. <laughs> don't think, you know, not gonna, don't believe that, not going to go into that. 
this sort of sense of, uh, you know, like the, the doubt actually becomes something uh, which doesn't want to, to give it, give, the mind doesn't want to give itself. Um, so these are the kind of, these are classic um, instances of what, what the Vipaka is, Vipaka of attention. Not personal thing. It, it manifests in specifically. It takes personal instances and specifically as personal voices. But it either it's not a personal thing. It's just the the manifestation of the asava in terms of um, the way that one's attention goes. So we may very well consider whether well, are beautiful, luscious. You know, fragrant sense objects out there that I need to have or get, but actually, it's the it's the attention that makes them so. It's the heat seeking that makes them so. When you're hung, when you're hungry, food is luscious. When you eating it all, when you're eating your fill, not another, <laughs> not another donut, not another waffle, not another whatever. Yeah. So what happened to the lusciousness of it? What happened to it? You know, it it's, it's, so it's really a function of our, of our attention rather than something that's really out there. Heat seeking. Stimulation seeking. Mm-hmm. Calm. So this is an aspect obviously of Kamasama. And so it manifests in specific terms, and of course, the where it goes wrong is when you you actually believe you've got a problem with pears, or um, you know, it, 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 the mind clocks, and you get these new, new neurotic experiences, which is when the the sense of bhava be, being something actually solidifies around a particular um, hindrance. And then I am this kind of a person with this kind of a thing. So it's, this bhava, you know, is is the basis of, of this kind of neurosis. Now with anapanasati, there are this um, works on this these, the, the hindrances and even on the asava, which are, if you like, the 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 people, the ones in the background, the bosses in in the background of the workers who are the of the kilesas, right? They're doing the stuff out on the ground, you know, on the battlefield, if you like, and the also are the generals sitting back in central control, um, not getting not getting touched by it all. So settling the the, the hindrances, then we can recognise that these. In these tetrads, these first two tetrads of Anapanasati, there are certain things that, that uh, are, the hindrances are, are laid through, are cleared through, are diminished through. So just things like the restlessness the, the, of the mind, the stabilizing the mind on the breath, holding it on the breath, so that that kind of um, uneven quality of attention is, is smoothed out. Hmm. And so obviously things like restlessness and dullness are 
uh, uh, just being able to stabilize attention on, on an object, bringing attention onto an object, works on those. Um, also, the, 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 the pattern of doubt, which is about um, indecision, you know, being with just focusing and sustaining attention on a breath helps to remove that, that, that pattern of, of, of dithering. Or, you know, re- often it takes the place of working on the conceptual um, experience of something. So you feel something, and you, th- you think about that. Is it this? Is it that? Yeah. So it, when you go fully onto the breath, you don't think it anymore. It is what it is. So that 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 sense of doubt disappears because you're you're on it. You can't stand back and figure it out. You're just there with it. Working on the the feelings. Uh, the sense of the, the second tetrad, which is the, the stimulation of the mind, um, then this is very good for for working against uh, sense sense desire, heat seeking, and ill will. Um, the Buddha particularly recommended this um, this form of pleasure, rapture, thrill, enjoyment. Um, which is based not upon sense objects, but upon the skillful work of the mind, skillful suppleness of the mind, skillful flexing of attention, so that when the attention is flexed, it's rather like exercising your body so the nerve endings start to tingle and they feel pleasant. So when you flex your attention in accordance with establishing rapture and calm, and then calming the rapture, um, then you're basing that that pleasant satisfying experience not on some sense object but upon the activity of mind just the mind being being worked in this particular way so he said this i recommend this form of pleasure this is this is something you should indulge in Um, and it, it then it counteracts the 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 hunger for pleasure sense pleasure and also because one, if one has this faculty, then the sense of, of ill will is also dissipated because one, internally one feels happy and joyful and the mind is not contracted. A contracted mind, a pickled mind, a crabby mind, a tight mind, for any reason at all, is an unhappy mind. So just learning to expand extend, massage the focus of the mind so that it's, it's expansive and light and flowing, then this, this is, is counteraction to, this contradicts ill will. When you consider ill will to be just like a, a disease of the will or disease of intention rather than I don't like this person, I don't like that person. You see it's a disease of attention rather than not being able to tolerate this or that or the other. Um, then you can see how this, when one trains the mind not to contract, not to, to stiffen, not to harden, then there's no ill will. You may not agree with this person, 
you may not in, there may not be the rising of pleasant pleasant feeling, but the mind doesn't crinkle and harden around that, doesn't push it out. This is dealing with it at the at the at the basis of of the actual what happens in the mind. Now you know you may kind of look at spiders or something or slugs and think, ooh, wrong thing. Um, and then what you know you know what can you feel what happens when it goes like that? You know that that sort of contracting and inclining away. This is your, this is your will. You don't mean you're angry about it, but that, that's but that's 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 the ill will. Um, you know, if somebody then took hold of the spider or slug and dropped it <coughs> down your back, then it might manifest a little more <coughs> more heat in it, and more anger. The closer it gets, then the hotter it gets. But at the level of seeing something, you may just experience it as a the mind kind of shying away and 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 hardening against it. This is ill will. Now you can actually get to that and relax it. Once you've learnt this process of as described in the second tetrad, you can you can relax that boundary. Does it mean so that one you're not dependent on a pleasant feeling that comes from a sense object? You're you're your mind is based upon the ability to um, relax, to develop its own source of well-being, its own source of, of stability and feeling. So we try doing this now. You can work on things like um, I think there's been a mention fear, anxiety, um, these sorts of um, experiences that happen in groups of people, normal experience of groups of people, certain amount of anxiety and fear on a, on a subtle level. The group might not like me, the group might blame me, you know, just that suddenly feeling when it's under the, the, um, the gaze of 15, 20 other people, and that immediately there's a sense of heightened self-consciousness. And then our fear is an aspect of, of, of ill will. It means that the will is ill. It's not a happy will, it's ill. Yeah? So it may not be we haven't got hatred in the mind or anger, but if you started on that basis of feeling that sense of ill will, and then it was pushed a little harder, then you'd get the anger and the hatred. So quite often people is, you know, when people come at, express themselves in terms of anger, it's really just a heightened sense of fear, self-protection. They feel blamed. So the way to defend themselves against to get angry, to blow away the other person. And so this is just instinct, a trapped animal, a mouse. 
you know, pushed into a corner, eventually we'll, we'll get up tight and fight back. You know? And so this is just kind of basic triggers, instinctive triggers. So we can look at this working on a sense of in the, the, the boundary, the inhibition, that which makes it we're held back by a bit of there's a, there's a pressure on us holding us back. We feel inadequate, we feel we can't, we feel unable, we feel nervous, we feel anxious, we feel shy, we feel we can't release something, we can't. You know. And this is an aspect, a subtle aspect of the ill will. When you develop the rapturous mind, the praising mind, the glad this 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 activity, then this is kind of that boundary is relaxed, you push it out. So this is a fairly subtle level of it, but obviously if one is experiencing the, the uh, a focused, um, calming, gladdening, um, meditation, then you don't have ill will that particular time till somebody disturbs you, of course. <laughs> and then the, you know, the, the boundary gets established again. Ding! Shoots up and... So you can see that there is that the quality of calming the vipaka and allaying the vipaka. But... Um, Still, the potential is still there because of this bhava, this sense of, hey, I'm in a good space now. Hey, I'm feeling good now. You know, bhava, my territory. And then, you now you mess with that, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> so this, you know, the, the calming and the settling is very therapeutic on one level. You know, so the first aspect of the practice is just this settling, settling, settling to, to experience this, setting the mind free from hindrances. You feel good, you feel healthy. But we're free from hindrances, but you're not free from asawa. Because as we, just that example, you know, in your nice space and then somebody pinges on it and then bhava, asawa, I was this, I am this, and then the whole thing starts again. And sometimes it's extremely distressing when you've been on a meditation retreat and you come out cloud nine. By the time you get down the end of the motorway, you're on cloud ten, which is the black one. (laughs) (laughs) Because of this idiot in front of me. You know, you're already kind of clutching the steering wheel, you're back in road rage by the done, we've done 50 miles, you know. And then, it, oh, I was, well, I lost it all, I was in such a good space, you know, I thought I had it, and then, oh, it's terrible, meditation practice is a waste of time. No, it wasn't a waste of time, but, but, you know, just being able to just, okay, stop, you lost it, so what? Back to the breath, start again, you know. Then, then this is level of wisdom. Um, that to, to, to not take that sense of losing it as your personal territory either. That, you know, you can get to this feeling like underneath it all, really, 
basically I'm still a nasty bit of work. This <laughs> 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 got a cosmetic job on top of it. <laughs> but no, it's not true. No, it's not that way. Yeah. But the the asava has not been not been dealt with, and because this is extremely, uh, this is fine. This is fine work, and the asava are only dealt with through the this sense of the the settling, and then the the, the contemplating or the insight, looking into reviewing, and this what is explained in the fourth tetrad. This process, um, impermanence. Um, dispassion, cessation, relinquishment. Um, so this is first of all applied to something like the breath and then the feelings and then also the sense of being something is impermanent. And then as one recognizes that, one grows a little more dispassionate to okay, now I'm on a winner. Fine, very nice, you know. Keep keep keep, keep watching this face. <laughs> oh, you know, now I'm a loser, got it wrong. Okay, you know, I, I lost it. And it's it's no longer a kind of clamping into some prison realm of self punishment. Just oh, I lost it. There's a little more dispassion on, on the on the, the merry go round as it were. Cessation, we can look at this in a number of ways. The, the word niroda, cessation, is applied to the, the um, cessation of dukkha, you know, the, the, that, the non-alignment, the dissociation stopping, so that one is in tune, one is, one is released, one is in harmony, one is in balance. We can see this as something, something that's, that's momentary or more extensive. It's important to recognise the, you know, that things like liberation and cessation can be just momentary. You know, they're not. This is it forever. You know, it's so. The one can and and to recognise that the sort of sign of cessation, like now, you know, the, the sense of ill will is stopped, or the dullness. Is not here. That, there's a stopping to that, you know, or the sense desire is stopped. Just noticing the cessations that occur. Things do stop. Things do rest. Um, as a process, there are, in terms of reviewing one's practice, there are the liberations. And again, liberation is is a graduated term. You can say there's a liberation from um, um, from Fear, liberation from uh, blaming, a liberation from unwholesome moral actions. And so this can be seen as a as a as a relative term as well as some kind of ultimate thing. And if you don't take the relatives into account, you don't notice, and you don't fully experience and the relative expressions of these terms, then it's unlikely that you will ever 
that you can ripen that into something more far-reaching. So, so this is where, of course, the process of, of settling has its benefits in just being able to see that there are, when you settle the mind, then there isn't doubt, and there isn't worry, and there isn't that kind of agitated state. So that's not what you are. And, and a particular psychological pattern that one has become so used to, and it's not there, does help to undermine your belief in it as being something that you are, or something you've got to try and deny, or something you've even got to try and deal with. It stops. You can settle your mind and recognize that some of these karma formations just stop just by doing that, in terms of, in terms of fresh karma, in terms of the ongoing stuff, you know, what's happening to you. Sorry, I mean the Vipaka, the kind of what was inherited. So this means just that element of liberation, that element of right view, that element of discovery is to be noticed. I am, you know, that I am other than what I habitually may appear to be. There is more to it than that. So this gives you the faith, the kind of uplift, what's called promoja, like a kind of inspiration heart. So there you see how kind of like the process of settling and insight work together. Settling gives you, if you like, a clearing away, a blowing away of some of the habitual psychological patterns that maybe just because we've been busy for this whole week or this last month or we've been ill for a while or, you know, we've had a difficult relationship thing. So you've got into a particular pattern that's got lodged there. Just having the time on a retreat to just settle out, still down. We have to deal with these things and to kind of analyze them even, just settle the mind and then being able to recognize you know, that one, one is not that. And then the gladness and the confidence that comes from that means that then we could, we could either, we can then review how did we get into that state in the first place? Um, you know, you can actually review some of these, these um, difficulties that one has in life and establish more skillful patterns and processes in the future. So there's this level of the practice. So neuroda cessation and then relinquishment, which is like a giving up of that tenacious holding on. Because something has stopped, we relinquish, we give up. There's the ability to give up, not just to kind of try and suppress, but there's a sense of release from that persuasion that one is this way. So this is something that can be seen uh, on a kind of you know, if you like, in terms of the hindrances, in terms of, um, you know, perhaps, perhaps more um, surface level experience. And then the settling, the settling, or the stabilizing, or the settling of the mind tends to take your attention deeper, deeper, deeper into 
just the pure state or the, the fundamental state, the fundamental state of mind. This is what we can look at in the third tetrad of Anapanasati. The sense of mind. Jitta, what is mind? What's the core? We've seen how um, our attention can be steered. We can see how it can be steadied. We can see how it can be extended. We can see how our attention can be um, um, flexed and massaged. You can see how attention can be filled with, with rapturous feeling. You can see how attention can be, be softened and calmed. This is the, the jitta sankara, the things that condition, activate the mind. Um, and the aim of, of settling is so that you, your, your attention is refined down from the, the huge cascade of, of phenomena that make up one's social, personal, domestic life into just a very fundamental experience of, of a breath. And you can see that, that you get the same core experiences around that. And then beginning to, to calm out that, that quality, of the, calm out the phenomena so that we're more in touch with the knowing of them, more in touch with the quality of knowing something. I don't see thinking, conceiving, understanding, but just the quality that appreciates, sensitizes to experience and it sensitizes to perception. It sensitizes to feeling. It's stimulated by feeling, and the perception gives an object for it to, to touch. So, in the simple case of Anapanasati, the perception is the perception of the breath. It's, it's a, something you perceive, you recognize it. That's the breath. And it's made out of what? A whole flow and flux of, of fine sensations and. Um, some of them are sort of warm, some of them are flowing, some of them are spacious, whatever. But there's a that is built up into a particular image, a mental impression or perception we call the breath, the perception of the breath. And there's a feeling associated with it, there are, or a, a range of feelings. When the mind is settled, the feeling... ...tone that is associated with the breath is a steady one of of pleasantness. When the mind is settled, the, the perception of the breath becomes a steady sign. It's like something that can be glowing. It's like something that um, is, now it's not just, not just the physical passage of air, but it's the mind's take on it, the mind's take on, 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 a, on the breath. Okay, so give you another example. Your mother, your wife, your son, your friend, right? Say the word, what comes up? Bang. You get one impression. And maybe then you another impression, another you get one impression. Yeah. And it's basically it's a that's a perception. So that's different from who your mother is, or your son, or your wife, or whatever. 
it's a mixture not just of their body shape it's a mixture of the body shape and the heart impression that they have for you the body shape thing may be just very sketchy just a vague sort of probably a bit of face you know just a few little details but the main thing is actually uh, uh, an, an impression that you have of maybe warmth or fear or doubt or joy or whatever Mm-hmm. you get that and those two together that, that's, the, that's the perception of that person it's the moment of recognition you see somebody walking along the path it's, it's dusk you just see the shape walking along and then some, something strikes you and you know it's Susan you don't get every little detail you just get one, one little element the way she walks you know, a particular gait, she's got lumbering walk or limping or something, or, you know, oh, it's Susan. See, one little feature gives rise to a whole a perception. And then with that, the recognition, and then whatever the mood is, oh dear, I owe 10 quid or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but you, so the, you get that contact impression is the perception. Now the perception is something then you can, you can focus on that perception so she walks the other way and you can still keep that perception in your mind. She's now gone out of sight and you still have that perception there. So sometimes sanya perception is related, talked about as memory. It's not exactly memory but it's something like that. It's, it's the mental impression. Similarly, when in cultivating anapandasati, having train the mind to, to give up its restlessness and its distractedness by stabilizing it on the physical experience of the breath getting it to give up its kind of stubbornness and stiffness by, by extending itself around the breath then it's able to more fully register the impression and you're able to recognize the impression just like some measuring instrument had been properly cleaned and now you can really, you can really know that, feel that the quality of that instrument, and it, 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 you get a, a particular impression of the breath. This can be something that's kind of becomes visual in the mind's eye. It can be felt. It's probably a mixture of both. It's associated often with a, a pleasant, some kind of pleasant, steady mood, feeling of mind, and some kind of steady perception of breath. And because it's a mental impression, it remains steady. Just as you're, you know, you can you can remember, you know, that person, and you can freeze one image of them and hold it even when they walk past. So you've got that, even when they're dead, the perception is there. So for settling the mind, you go to that, and then you you. you keep focusing it and going into that perception body we're able to then um, recognize the mind, the knowingness of mind fully experiencing the mind as something that knows because when, when the object becomes steadier, then the quality of attentiveness becomes more apparent. Yesterday when we were doing some chanting together, just listening and 
letting these rather effortless sounds pass through us and listening to them. And then when the sound begins to die away, you have the listening sign. Yeah, and you don't know what I mean. You get a sense of the actually the quality of listening, the quality of attention being something that you could really recognize. It's there. Yeah? Yeah. It's like an intense attention with nothing particular in it. And in that, various nimitas or signs can arise. You may hear this sound of silence. Sign. There's a nimitta, it's a sign. But with, in the third tetrad, you move towards the knowing rather than the sign. In this case, jitta, we can recognize as the knowing, experiencing the knowing. And then... Um, Gladdening it, which, uh, which is this pamoja quality, abhimodayam, which is thoroughly uplifting, thoroughly inspiring, thoroughly um, raising up the quality of knowing. So, pamoja is associated with faith or sadha. It's often seen as the, the next, uh, is the result of sadha, which sadha is a fairly vigorous sort of inspired, and then Pamoja is the lifted up stability from that. So, the sense of confidence, the difference between faith and confidence, confidence is a steady, you know, certainty to it. So, in in this practice, when you begin to clear out some of the vipaka, so that your, your attention is stabilized and steady. And then knowing the steady, steadiness of attention and then really residing in that, having confidence in it, lifting it up. And then um, stabilizing and, and, and focusing onto that. So that the mind, you can, then the mind is, is called the, and liberating the mind is... Um, By the process of, of establishing the mind's attention as its focus and raising that up, then the liberation is from the appetites of the mind that keep it going outwards. So instead of seeking something, finding, looking for something, the mind is liberated from that, those particular fresh outflows of um, appetite something to think about, something to become, something to have, something to plan, something to remember, something to release, something to energize, you know, that gotta make it better thing. And this is the, the, the kind of the nagging asava. So the liberate liberating the mind from that. So then we, the, the quality of this is, is very deep equanimity and mindfulness. The knowing or the knowingness 
the ability to 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 experience that sense of awareness, that sense of attention, is perhaps not that re- difficult, remote for us. But to have it so 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 much present that it's 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 unsinkable is the benefit of a extended process of, of something like anapanasati. So it's right there in the present. It's not a, not a, a hindsight knowing. You know, something's happened and you, oh, hmm. This is knowing by hindsight. It's actually knowing in the present moment so so strongly that the knowing itself becomes like a an object or or, an, or a modality of of experience that you can rest in. You don't just it doesn't just flicker through. It's not something that you kind of that baffles up now and then. On particular incidents, but it becomes a like a room that you can you can walk into it, not just peeking through the window. You can walk into it, and you can sit down, and you can rest in it. You can be glad within it. You can have confidence in it. You can be stabilized within it, and you can free yourself from the need to keep running out the door or peeking out the windows. So in this way, the yasava um, of karma, karma, so the sense appetite is is allayed. Because one is satisfied. This is a relative liberation, but an extremely, extremely um, powerful one. Renunciation um, is possible when the mind is satisfied with itself. So we can then begin to peel off the, the, the need for, for fresh karma in this level. What remains is the sense of being something. But we have another couple of days to be something. Enjoy it while you can.